Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Athletic. Hello, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Balsay and alongside me from a week-long break, it's the Christmas queen of our screens, Hayley McQueen. Hi Hayley. Hi everyone, great. And joining myself and Hayley today, as usual, we've got the busiest woman in football. What she doesn't know about car mileage isn't worth knowing at all. It's the unstoppable Lindsay Hooper. Hi Hoops. I should know more about cars. Um, and how to fix them, I think, just in case on on the road. But I don't touch wood, have too many breakdowns, so it's okay. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I actually, at the weekend, wasn't at a game because my game was cancelled. Oh. And on Saturday, I did fighting talk. I went into London um, and ended the year with a win. Yes! Kate, oh, well Kate asks me all the time, like, have you come second again? Don't oh. you? I wish I'd have yes. watched or listened, sorry. I wish I'd have listened. I didn't even know you were on Fighting Talk, you scamp. Yeah. I feel like you're crowning yeah. off a very successful year, Lindsay, with that trophy, um, albeit that it won't last for very long. Perhaps perhaps this is a good sign heading into the new year. I wonder if, Hayley, you've done anything Christmassy or done anything with the new year around the corner in mind? Yeah, I've done it. I mean... New Year for me is going to be just a quiet one at home, but I definitely went all out on Christmas because my Christmas last year was a bit of a difficult one and I had a little one. I mean, she's still not sleeping now, but she definitely wasn't um, behaving back then. And I was just tired. I've been back at work. So this year I've gone full on, bells on, Blenheim Palace, Nutcracker in the Lights Trail. I've been on the Polar Express at the weekend. That was great fun, dancing up and down the aisles. Met Santa himself, the original one, because there are others that wear beards um, that appear in various places. Yeah, but this 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 was the real one that the that my niece and nephew and my little one got to got to see, and I had a lovely time up north at home with my family because I'm actually spending Christmas at Sky. I am doing the Christmas presenting this year, dun dun dun. But I chose to because my little one, she's only two. She doesn't really kind of get the whole Santa Claus thing. I mean, she will after this year when she comes downstairs and sees her presents. But we've got the in-laws with us. Again, another reason to work over Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, you can't say um, that. Can um, they've been with us since the fourth of December? Let's just leave. Let's, can, let me just yeah, leave I that can, with I you. I can totally understand why you're at that point in the stay. They are lovely. Don't get me wrong. Lindsay, have you done anything Christmassy? Yeah. Well, we've got a house guest for about a month um, or so, and we all decided that we would get in the Christmas spirit and watch Elf. So we did that yeah. the other day. Which I love Elf. What a Christmas film it is. Uh, you just never get bored of it, do you? So we, we've done a, f- a few films. We also played Cards Against Humanity last night. Oh, I don't like that game, Linz. Really? I, I just oh, think I... it's a bit, I, I mean, it, it basically won't surprise you, will it? Because this is me, right? But I just yeah. find it a bit silly. <laughs> do you not go really dark? I mean, I went really dark oh, on a few of my answers. I don't answers. know, because there's like lines to be crossed and everything oh, else. And I get a bit a game, proper. Hey, I know a it's game. just a game, but I find it. I find it hard to relax that much to get that dark. And also some of the cards are just are just rude, aren't they? They're just a bit like, oh, gosh, I want to be saying this. Okay, well, getting in the Christmas spirit, I like it a lot. Um, I don't know about you two, but I don't feel as if football has thrown Christmas on us or upon us as much as it normally does. I've got a bit of Christmassy football news 
later on in the podcast. But I've, I feel, Lindsay, you're normally the one looking out for this. I feel like we haven't been inundated with Christmas-related football cheer, have we, this year? No, and if you saw the scenes prior to the EFL quarterfinal between Spurs and West Ham last night, which, by the way, I was meant to be stood in front of that stadium, I managed to push back and ended up doing it from my home office. I thought, I don't want to pick up COVID just before Christmas. But there was fighting, wasn't there, and all sorts. There's some terrible scenes outside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that isn't much Christmas cheer. I usually get to do the whole going round the the shops and looking at all the Christmas gear Mm. uh, for each club or for a few clubs in London. I've not done that this year. Uh, The most Christmassy it got was I was there doing a live on the day that they finished putting the lights, the Christmas lights outside Stamford Bridge. And that felt a little bit Christmassy. Sure, that was about three months ago, right? Though, doesn't three it? months ago. If, if like, if like that, <laughs> that is the highlight of your Christmas football broadcasting. Then there's definitely something going on. Um, Haley, is the studio as Christmassy as it as it normally would be? Have you been yeah. running the sort of typical Sky Sports? that you send a local reporter into every club shop. Have you have you had all that this year? No, we haven't. We've been really careful, which I think is a good thing. I mean, even me myself, I love going to Hamleys and Fortnum and Mason and Harrods and all the big department stores. Even I didn't do that this year. So I think everybody's just erring on the side of caution, aren't they? And nobody wants to get COVID just before Christmas. So I think work policy was not to send people out anywhere mixing with the public which is a shame because we normally have like a big advent calendar sort of countdown and opening up each window to a sort of different footballing memory but then the occasional reporter will pop up from a club shop with like a you know a set of tartan pajamas for a dog from Dundee or something like that you know so I'm very much missing missing that you missed an opportunity though Hayley because surely mm. if we if we're working on the premise of an advent calendar zoom windows would have been perfect wouldn't oh. they you could have done like a big burst through the wrapping paper on zoom type have. thing for your we windows but the, the studio is lovely it's very festive we've got some very stylishly decorated trees and we've had Christmas dinner on the go since the first of December so you <laughs> oh could get turkey God. and all the trees I know. So I've Surely had that a Christmas dinner. a bit rubbery by now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. It's been there a while. And uh, there's mince pies, which are free if you buy a hot beverage, which I think is a lovely touch. Oh <laughs> Everyone I walking did... into Christmas a little bit bigger. I will say, I did speak to Manchester United player um, Ella Toon. And they had done Secret Santa and she was very excited and she said she thought it was the best Secret Santa they'd they'd ever done. So there's clearly stuff going on, Kate, behind the scenes that we're not seeing. You know, clubs are getting into the spirit. We're just not let into it as much as we usually would. Here's a bit of a behind the scenes fact for you. Um, One of Lindsay's calendars is synced with one of my calendars, bizarrely. (laughs) So I know exactly who you're speaking to and when, because the Ella 2 message popped up on my phone. You are speaking to Ella and I was like, it it basically must be one of Lindsay's interviews. So there you go. (laughs) When you're so close that you uh, get each other's calendar invites. All right, well, let's crack on with the show. Lots to discuss. And of course, there's a Christmassy New Year theme to things as well. Christmas just a few days away as we record this. So we're getting in the spirit by doing an offside Royal Christmas Nativity, complete with characters. And whilst we'll be spending a lot of the episode reflecting on the year that we've just had, we're also going to look ahead to 2022 as well with our predictions for what's going to happen in the wonderful world of football. But first, well, it's a time of reflection, isn't it, Christmas? And today we want to wrap up our 2021 content by giving out the prestigious Offside Rule Christmas Awards. <laughs>
Well, I've just put my uh, sateen floor-length gown on, ladies. I've got my handbag at the ready, the lippies on. That's right, we've had the Ballon d'Or, but now it's time for the only ceremony that matters in football, the Offside Rule Christmas Awards. We've got three categories, okay, just in the interest of this award ceremony not going on for hours. Underrated Star of the Year, Moment of the Year, and the most embarrassing moment of 2021. Let's get started then with our underrated star of the year. Can I have your nominations, please? Hayley, let's start with you. Okay, underrated star. I am going for Mason Mount. I think he's been tremendous. He recently said, didn't he, after after playing, and it just shows how determined he is to make sure that he's scoring goals and playing regularly for the national team as well. He said, I'm not confident um, with an old target of 10 goals for a season. I want to score more and more and more. It's a big part of my game and it means a lot to me. So Mason Mount has been quite incredible. So only Mo Salah is actually producing goals and assists more frequently than Mount in the Premier League, okay? His game, I think, is definitely evolving under Thomas Tuchel. He went through a tiny little bit of a lull. I think people were getting a little bit worried, but Tuchel came in and absolutely changed things, didn't he? He changed uh, the game that decided the Champions League final with his assist. He also made the Ballon d'Or shortlist and actually would have been higher up if England would have won the Euros as well. I think it had been right up there, um, not in contention for winning it, but certainly up there maybe um, in the top 10, perhaps? I don't know. He would have been the only man to start and win the continent's two biggest matches of the summer if they'd have won the Euros, but they didn't. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so he's definitely the most consistent player as well in a year. So we keep having to remind ourselves, because I'm terrible in football terms, I'm like, oh yeah, of course we can go all the way back to last January, February, March. It's not just this season. Eight goals, seven assists, and 47 league and Champions League games in 2021. That's just this season. He's already got, as I mentioned, seven goals and four assists in 19 um, league and Champions League games. And actually, He'd set himself a target of 10 and is like, absolutely not. He's been capped 26 times by England, played five times at the Euros as well. He might not be the most underrated star of the year because he has been given, you know, quite a few plaudits, of course, but he is my nomination. There are, of course, loads of contenders for this. We could say Simon Kerr, not just because of his heroics at the Euros, but also a very good year for him overall. Declan Rice, or maybe you wouldn't say underrated for De- Declan Rice, I don't know. Linz, what have you got? Well, I think Hayley's right, and you do have to look at the whole calendar year. If it was just about this season, um, I'd probably say Conor Gallagher, because just 21 years old at Crystal Palace, six goals, three assists in 16 Premier League appearances, and now being talked about as uh, potentially going back into the Chelsea side. He's on loan, obviously, at Palace. Um, and and you think that Thomas Tuchel is probably going to make room for him in his squad. So maybe he's someone we'll continue to talk about into 2022. But looking at the whole calendar year from start to finish, it has to be, for me, Edward Mendy, Chelsea goalkeeper. In terms of the whole year, he's really been impressive. He's obviously had that collection of clean sheets, um, conceded very few goals, the Champions League, of course, the crowning glory and all of that. And if you go back to the semi-final game against Real Madrid, there was a huge moment for him, the save that he made from Benzema. Then three minutes later, Chelsea go and score in that game. So I think Edouard Mendy, underrated as well. I know he was on the Ballon d'Or list, but I, I think generally speaking over the 2021 year, he has been up there as one of the shining stars. 
I am going to go for Aston Villa defender Esri Konza. And, 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 you know, again, looking at the whole year, we've known about him for a while, but I was reading a week or so ago, if you just look at this season, he's been dribbled past 0.1 times per 90 minutes this season. This is the joint least of any defender. So that just goes to show what he's doing. He's played in practically every Premier League match for Villa this season. And we know, of course, they're doing so much better under Steven Gerrard. He scored two goals, didn't he, against Leicester a week or so ago, proving that he's got what it takes to hit the back of the net as well, ensuring that Aston Villa got the victory. So important when you can be a player like that. Uh, An England call-up, that must be on the way soon, surely, for Esri Konza. Um, Mm. And also his price, you know, as well. Signed from Brentford for 12 million in 2019. Like every good underrated player, he looks like being an absolute steal. Let's talk about then the moment of the year. Hayley, what have you got for us? Oh, mine's not just a specific moment, but I just think it's the year that Steve Clark had. And I just think Scotland finally doing what we've been waiting for, for what feels like hundreds of years. Okay. It actually only was 23 years um, before they finally got their place at a major tournament, but it definitely felt longer and secured a place in a World Cup playoff spot as well. The Tartan Army, I think, for them, they are my moment of the year. Even just that game at England, I know they didn't win, but it it felt huge. It it was a wonderful performance against Denmark as well. Um, I just think seeing the Scotland players and, and the Tartan Army kind of reconnect as well, in what you could call a Euro summer of love was definitely a highlight of a momentous 2021 for the national team. And then, yeah, it peaked as well, didn't it, with the Israel game and that last minute goal for me, that was my highlight in terms of just pure and utter elation. I know it was only Israel, but 50,000 people stayed to injury time to see if they could get the winning goal. And it was huge. The incredible atmosphere, just the fans, just everything Scotland related this year. I know they've won absolutely nothing, but it feels like they've just won back the hearts of everybody again. If you're going to mention Scotland, I'm sorry, I've got to wade in. I have to say England reaching a Euros final. I mean, we've got to give them plenty of kudos for doing that. I mean, what... What a tournament it was. And for Gareth Southgate as well, spearheading once more mm-hmm. a brilliant run in a major tournament. Um, and, you know, it was heartbreaking in that in that final and, the, and actually seeing the, the penalty shootout go the way that it did. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot for us to be proud of, a lot fit for England to build on as well for future tournaments. So we have to go there. I, th- I think within the Euro 2020 moments as well, a very poignant one, Simon Kaya, um, when he gathered everybody around in that circle when Christian Eriksen had, had had cardiac arrest. I just think that's one of the images that we will see for a very, very long time, the way that they all collectively got together and, and surrounded him. And there was a circle to stop the cameras getting um, much more of, of a shot. And, and that was really important, I think, that they did do that. And a final one, Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. That was a huge moment of 2021. Well, whilst you were saying those lovely things about the Euros, Lindsay, my cat was meowing at the door. So apologies if anyone caught that. He's now been let out and and told off as well. Um, I'm going to pick up actually on the Euros as well. And Lindsay, you're absolutely right about the, the run up to the final. And sometimes it's hard to remember that, of course, not just the manner in which in which we lost, but also the racist abuse, the fans storming Wembley and all the horrible things that we've heard since about that final as well. And I think it is it's important to reflect on that and kind of learn those lessons, but also to take ourselves back to that summer of love, as you put it, Hayley, earlier, and think about those terrific victories, you know, against Germany as well. And 
And I think when I when I sort of think of that time, I do think of Euro 96. It was one of my first years in London and coming home from work because I was covering a few of the games. I know you were as well, um, Lindsay. I was covering a few of the games kind of outside the stadium or on the radio. And I'd come back hours after the final whistle sometimes and the street would still be full of people celebrating after that semi-final win. There were people still stood on the roundabout at the end of my high street kind of dancing there were people on buses dancing people in cars there were there was mm -hmm. beeping going on and it was just one of those moments where as a nation you know certainly from an england perspective we could be really proud of what we achieved and it brought a smile to my face i know that there were sort of everyone's going to get covid after this do you remember that as well everyone's yeah. going to infect each other yeah. and yes there was a bit of a covid bounce afterwards as well but um i think overall you know everyone's singing sweet Sweet Caroline um, as well. And of course, yeah, it was that, 25 that got years, annoying. wasn't it, after Euro 96. And we kept saying, you know, could this be the moment 25 years later when England do it? So just goodwill to all country men and women, I think would be my ultimate, um, ultimate moment. And yeah, England at the Euros this summer. Let's go on to then the most embarrassing moment of the year. <laughs> Who was left red faced, mm -hmm. Lindsay? Southampton, I'm losing to Manchester United 9-0 in February of this year. Oh. Having the previous year lost 9-0 to Leicester, that made it doubly Saints embarrassing. Saints going to love you. For, for, no, I'm I, sorry, I, but I, I mean, actually forgot about that, but there we go. I'm pretty sure they are embarrassed. They they don't want to be that club that had two 9-0s, and you certainly don't want to do it in consecutive seasons. But yeah, February 2021, as, as the score got to 6-7, and seven, they must just have been like, no. No, don't let this happen again. <laughs> and you feel like, Eve, is there not a way? And I would have been much more annoyed with Ralph Hasenhutl on that occasion than I would on the first time against Leicester to just say, just don't let it happen again. Like, even if it's eight, even if it's eight, it's not nine. <laughs> but yeah. it was nine. I'm going to step in. And you might have this as well, Hayley, I don't know, the mm. European Super League, which was oh my terribly God. embarrassing, <gasps> terribly upsetting, actually, to a lot of people. Yeah. And it all collapsed within the space of 48 yeah. hours, don't you? It broke on the Sunday. I remember I was on air. Henry Same. Winter was called from the Times. You know, all these phone calls put in. Henry. I just remember Henry Winter coming on and just being absolutely outraged and sort of laying it all out for us as well, just what had happened. 12 breakaway teams, some of the biggest, richest, best-known teams in Europe and it was confirmed that they were going to be starting the European Super League. The teams driving the project, Real Madrid, United, Liverpool, Juventus, um, had ever so kindly extended invitations to other teams as well mm -hmm. to join them. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid into Milan. Um, and it was announced that this, this was going to happen. There was a very shoddily put together website. And then very quickly and very suddenly, the football world, the fans, the clubs who'd been left out, the authorities, Boris Johnson got involved as well. Do you remember? Heads of state weighed in. I think even Prince William spoke out against it as well. Everyone piled on. No one was happy because it seemed that greed was the motivation in this case. So by Monday morning, the battle was on. Tuesday, that was pretty insane, wasn't it? Rumours, street protests. Do you remember that as well? And then Manchester City publicly were out. Chelsea were looking for ways out. Arsenal, Spurs, United walked away. Liverpool followed. They released that statement, didn't they? Those the sort of simultaneous club statements just before 11pm. And the whole thing collapsed. There were still kind of two stakeholders in Fiorentino Perez and Andrea Agnelli, the um, Juventus chairman. They continued to talk about it for a few days afterwards. But even by Wednesday, Agnelli admitted 
that basically it wasn't going to go ahead. It left everyone outraged. It collapsed pretty much within the space of 48 hours. How embarrassing. Yes, I would have weighed in with that. <laughs> Absolutely as well. And just the way it completely collapsed was just embarrassing for everybody who even thought that they could get away with doing this. It was just disgraceful. And I do you remember loving the comments? Remember it was Gary Neville who was so ferocious, yeah. um, absolutely laying into the clubs. And one of those, of course, Manchester United, his beloved Manchester United, who we still got very close links with. Um, so I will mention United again. The only reason I bring this up is because you talked about the Southampton dropping. I think for Manchester United, they were one of the most embarrassing teams of this last um, of this last year, losing four one to Watford, which David de Gea actually called another nightmare and completely embarrassing. It was the game that eventually led to uh, the demise of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, booted out of the club. Um, it's been a horror year. I could I could name so many moments for Manchester United. I genuinely thought that Cristiano Ronaldo coming back would just save the day, save everything, save football. Um, for the red half of Manchester, but yeah, absolutely not. When it comes to press conferences this year, did either of you squirm a little when Sean Dyche had that that press conference where <laughs> he was constantly talking about lookalikes? <laughs> I thought that was a little bit embarrassing. Was that was that in twenty twenty one? It feels like so long yeah. ago. No, it was. It wasn't. It was this year. And I wondered if either of you have had any embarrassing moments because <laughs> I had one towards the end of this year whereby I thought I was interviewing Craig Dawson. And I, I've always thought that Craig Dawson was brothers with Michael Dawson. How I always thought they were that? related. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I always thought they were related. And I sent some questions forward and the club had to reply to me and say, they, they're not brothers, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I'd always thought they were related. And also, I think it's because they look a bit similar. Yeah, they well. look a bit similar. They do. They do. <laughs> oh, well. yeah, so I hold my hands up. I had an embarrassing moment there. Oh. If I did have an embarrassing moment this year, I probably wouldn't admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, I there's no ifs and buts, Kate. You definitely will have had one. Oh, yeah. No, I will. I will. I'm trying to think of one now. Hayley, have you embarrassed yourself this year? Oh, God, probably. I mean, on a weekly basis, but... Nothing springs to mind. I'll have a bit of a think. I've mm. done some highly, very embarrassing things in, in, in the distant future. But I'm sure if anyone watches Sky Sports News, uh, you can tweet me and let me know if there's anything oh, embarrassing no, that I've done on air. Please don't, because yeah. she needs to end the year feeling good about I herself. Know. I know. Yeah. Spurs, we don't want Spurs, a bit embarrassing for them, interviewing seven managers, uh, sacking good their show. choice after three months, and then eventually hiring Antonio Conte, which did work out for them in the end. But yeah, a bit embarrassing, Spurs. Just throwing that one in there. Thanks, Dougie. Yeah, you, could, you could throw that Saudi investment fund in there as well, mm. passing the fit and proper owners test. Although perhaps it's a bit early of us to say this. Uh, they, they bought Newcastle mm. United. Um, do we need to then give our winner in each of these sections? Should we do that quickly? And I'll try and remember what you've all said. So underrated star of the year, Mason Mount was your... Um, vote Hayley Lindsay you were Edward Mendes okay and I went with Esri Konza do we have a winner amongst these lot perhaps it shouldn't be us deciding anyone got any leanings either way I think way? Doogie Mason a good shout come in. Doogie's our producer I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to Edward Mendy. I think that was a good shout from Lindsay ah okay moment of the year we sort of all agree don't we that it's kind of the Euros whether it's Scotland for Hayley or whether it was England 
for us. So let's all agree on that one. And then finally, the embarrassment of the year. Lindsay, for you, it was Southampton's 9-0 defeat. Hayley, your kind of European Super League as well, but with a shout for Spurs too. And just the general embarrassment that was Manchester United and some of their results. Doogie? It's got to be the European Super League. Absolute shambles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah. Couldn't put it better ourselves, Doogie. Thank you. Let's go then to some predictions for the new year. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. All right, well, 2022 is now just 10 days away, and we want to make some early predictions about what is going to happen next year. This won't all be right, by the way. You can disagree or agree with us at Offside Rule Pod. First up, who's going to win the Premier League? Um, I know we did this a few weeks ago, didn't we? Um, has anyone changed their mind, Lindsay? No, I think Manchester City now. Um, yeah. I think they're going to yeah. they're going to win. They've not only gathered some momentum, but they've also managed somehow to keep their squad fairly COVID-free. Mm. I mean, they haven't had hardly any issues, have they, in that department? So the squad depth is there they've got quality they're less affected I would argue by AFCON just Mares um, set mm-hmm. to go and they're they're beating teams really comprehensively mm-hmm. and to be doing that this side of Christmas usually um, Pep has his teams kicking on in the new year and getting stronger so I would say Manchester City Pip Liverpool to the title. Hayley, you'd agree with that? Yeah, I, I I, would. I think if AFCON wasn't going ahead, then I think you definitely have Liverpool up there battling as well. You just wonder if the Africa Cup of Nations is, is definitely going to go this ahead. This is my I point think. as well. Is it still, is it is it in the battle? I mean, it's it seems still, crazy I mean, that it could go ahead, but... Yeah, oh, it runs from the 9th of January, one. doesn't it? To the yeah. 6th of February. Not I, long to I decide have to say, now whether yes, it's going ahead. I think FIFA's already warned that it can't be cancelled at the last minute, which is which is totally fair enough. But I would almost throw Liverpool back into this title race because of that, because we don't know about AFCON. And also because Liverpool have won the last four games in a row as mm. well. You can see a real momentum mm. there. Yes, I know City have won the last eight in a row or whatever it is. But I would... I would say it's more likely Liverpool than ever, but a lot ha- hangs on whether AFCON happens and uh, whether Salah and Mane are, you know, part of that squad in January or not. Can we all safely say Chelsea are out? They're, they're down to fifth in the form table, struggling a little yeah. bit at the moment, aren't they? I honestly think as well, if they drop any points against Villa, if they get another draw, then that does take them out the the title race in my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we sort of agreed on Manchester City, but I'm throwing pebbles in for Liverpool. Um, The World Cup kicks off in 11 months' time. Uh, But who's going to win it? I think I'm just going to put brackets around everything. The the World Cup in brackets kicks off in 11 months' time. You just don't know at the minute, do you? Anyway, the contenders, um, who are you going with? Lindsay? It has to be Brazil um, in my mind for this one. It's not just the the qualifying campaign, which has been uber impressive, unbeaten, 11 wins in 13 games. But I think it's just the makeup of this Brazil squad. It's it's going to hit this World Cup just at the right time, I think. And as long as they can keep players without injury, then you look at the blend of youth and experience they've got, and it's really impressive. You've got Fabinho and Casemiro, who are the, like the anchors, what I would call the sort of skeleton of the side. Um, mm. Vinicius Jr., Neymar, who we all know is is one of the 
the stars in Brazil, but Rafinha as well from Leeds United. Thiago Silva and Marquinhos uh, as a defensive partnership, I think is really solid. So all over the pitch, and then you come to goal, and in goal, Edison and Alisson are your goalkeepers, two world-class yeah. stoppers. I just think that this is the one for Brazil. You look at the the climate, I know it will all be in air-conditioned venues, but there's a lot that makes me think that Brazil will be winners in this one. They've had 50 wins, just five defeats under Tite. So I, I honestly think it, it's theirs to lose. Okay, Hayley? Similarly, you just look at the abundance of talent that the France squad have. You've just listed those Brazil players, but goodness me, Mbappe will be chomping at the bit, hugely motivated after that penalty miss, of course, um, in Euro 2020. He's absolutely flying this season, 15 goals and 15 assists in just 24 games. You've got him, look at the firepower in this. You've got Karim Benzema, Kante, Griezmann, You've got solid Rafael Varane at the back. You've got Paul Pogba, who'd be desperate to win something because he's definitely not going to win anything with Manchester United. I know some of these players have already picked up silverware, but once you've got a taste of it, you definitely want more. Upamericano, Nkunku, there's just an overwhelming abundance of talent in that squad. It's not just a bit like England, where you rely on a couple of, oh, sorry, England, a couple of key players that might win you it. You just look all over the park and it's just dripping with sheer talent yes they completely underwhelmed in the euros they lost on penalties um that was in the last 16 wasn't it to switzerland that was a 3-3 draw Uh, i just think they'll need to regroup i think a lot of these individuals who didn't perform brilliantly at the euros are definitely doing so more now at club level griezmann in particular as well he's been flying of late i just think france are one of the hotly tipped contenders they are and they won the nation's league in october as well beating spain didn't they but i just wonder whether remaining loyal to didier deschamps after Mm. the triumph at the world cup in 2018 whether that's going to be to their detriment i have to say and france do have this habit sometimes of you know floundering a bit and to that point often where france flounder Italy rise to the top. So I'm not ruling out Italy in this one either. Euro 2020 winners, I think the big big concern really is the fact that they do have a slightly ageing squad. Giorgio Chiellini, for example, will be 38 next year. But, you know, don't, don't write off Italy for just being at the right place at the right time sometimes and suddenly ending up at the final. They did actually at the Euros also play some really lovely football as well. Germany, another contender, different prospect to the side that Yogi Love stepped away from last summer. Um, England beat them, of course, 2 0. Let's just remind our German listeners of that in the last 16 of Euro 2020. Uh, they've got a new man in charge, Hansi Flick. So let's see. You know, Germany is definitely one to keep an eye on. England, would you put England in their lens? Well, you'd have to say that they're one of the contenders. I know in our betting markets, they're third favourites. And that could actually be round about where they finish. It might be another semi-final. I would be surprised if they got to a final or if they could go one better. Well, there we go. Okay, so um, in choosing who's going to win the World Cup, who are we all all going to agree on? I have to say Brazil's a really good shout, Linz. I really liked your arguments for. So I think I'm going to plump for that one. Um, Player of the year, 2022. I'm going to speed this up by giving you a few contenders. Um, I think think we're going to agree on this one don't know Mo Salah obviously he's kind of the overwhelming favorite isn't he to win PFA player 
of the year. He's in rich form at the moment. He'll carry that over, I think, into 2022. Bernardo Silva could be a contender. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Any other quick contenders? Uh, I think it's fairly obvious why we're choosing these people. Lindsay? When, when we say player of the year, are we talking the whole of world football in this? Because mm. I think if we are, then we put Lewandowski in this yes. conversation. Yes. Okay. I, I, think, uh, I think we're talking Premier League, actually. Okay, so, so just Premier League. I, I yeah. think we're hard pushed actually to see past Salah. Bernardo Silva, the reason I would say maybe not him is that the rotation Pep puts into this City side. So even when he's playing as well as he has been, he's not guaranteed to get the minutes. Whereas I think, you know, AFCON aside, Mo Salah is starting every game, isn't he? I would say as well on that current ratio of goals that he's got. So 22 mm. at the moment, you're looking over 40 goals for the season if he carries on. Yeah, so Mo Salah, uh, the favourite for Linz as well. Hayley, have you got anything different? I kind of wondered how Erling Haaland's going to do because he's been a huge rising talent. He's been, you know, outstanding this last season or so. Mm, you just wonder how he's going to do at Dortmund if, in fact, he's going to stay there, whether he does make a move in January and that will change the outlook um, for him. Benzema's had a great season as well. Yeah, mm. he has. He but at has. the moment, if this is just Premier League... I think we should probably go for Mo Salah. I'm going to overrule you all, but I think we okay. all kind of agree with this one. Yeah. Some 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 good thoughts from you, but yeah, Mo Salah gets our vote. This is the Offside Rule with myself, Kate Ballsay, Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Don't forget to check out the Athletic Women's Football Podcast as well. Myself and Lindsay joined by Aston Villa defender Anita Asante this week and a rendition, a singing rendition of the 12 Days of Christmas using the 12 teams <laughs> in the Women's Super League. Uh, I can't say it's too tuneful, but it's definitely worth a listen. You can check that out via all good podcast platforms. We're not getting many admirers of our vocal talents, are we? Sometimes I think it's good to be real, isn't it? It's good to say that, you know, we might be great on TV or radio, we might sound great, we might look professional, but uh, you can't have everything. And if that's a singing voice, then, you know, fair enough, I suppose. Ladies, let's move on to our Christmas nativity, just a few days away from Christmas as we record this. And for months around the UK and around the world, uh, kids everywhere would have been rehearsing and acting out the well-known nativity scene. Um, we oh, do want to do I our own version. One. I went to my nephew's nativity. It was so cute. The only problem was they put most of the kids on the stage and he was just part of the choir. So he was just down the side oh, which was really, really oh. sad but my little one saw him and was going Rudy 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 she we've got a little picture in a video it was very sweet and she just she jumped out off my lap and ran over to him and she just grabbed him and he carried on singing while she was literally grabbing his leg like a koala bear <laughs> it was very sweet did they have some unusual roles Hayley because nowadays you have a Christmas nativity and I think actually we watched Love Actually as well we've been watching all the Christmas yeah. films lately and of course they have like a lobster or something don't they in that yeah um, you know, were they the traditional roles? Too unusual, no. but it, the the innkeeper I think was supposed to be Al Murray, you know, pub landlord. So uh -huh. that was quite clever. The the sort of main narrator, who was our friend's little boy, who was absolutely brilliant. He wore a little kind of red 
blazer jacket and was the character that Hugh Jackman played in Greatest Showman. Oh, oh yeah, sort of I like all the modern references. A little sort of, yeah, a bit, of, a bit of modern in there. There were a couple of boys dressed up as the angels, which I thought was a little bit Great. different, rather than just having the girls. Apart from one of them just crying his eyes out. I was like, poor little <laughs> thing. You, I didn't know if it was because he didn't want to be an angel or he just got complete stage fright, but there were there were quite a few tears on stage, which if it's your child, you're probably just, you know, break it, probably breaking your heart inside, but... I didn't enjoy children crying, but it definitely made it funny, that's mm-hmm. for sure. My little one, Arthur, did a nativity play. He was he was one of the three kings, did a very good job on his projection. Oh. I was very proud of him. Um, oh. But there was the classic kind of child falls off stage moment as well. A little girl was on a chair <laughs> and, the, oh, no. and those two back chair legs managed to edge themselves off the stage and, and over she went, fortunately. All was well. She was completely okay. But yeah, it was a really nice way to get Christmassy. Um, so what we're going to do here, both of you, is we're going to make our own offside rule football nativity and we're going to assign people connected to football to different roles. I note that our producer Doogie has given us wise men and three kings, but they're, but they're the same things, aren't they? Depending on which sort of version you, you go with. So we'll lob all those suggestions in as one, I think. Um, Shall we start with the baby Jesus? Who do we think could be this one um, apart from the very obvious jesus gabriel jesus who mm-hmm. you know, obviously <laughs> obvious isn't it but he's not a baby we need someone who's young who's i don't know pulling up daisies wherever they're playing someone like jude bellingham the baby jude judas jude baby jude, jude, jesus you can't have judas it's no I know, I know i know i realize that that's a different character completely <laughs> oh my god <laughs> The actual, the youngest official um, ever Premier League player is Archie Gray. Now, he was only on the bench for Arsenal, but there you go. Ar- Archie Archie Gray, who played... How about, how about a topical Leeds. one? Um, mm-hmm. Arsenal this week, Patino. Patino, yeah, 18 years oh, okay. old. Yeah. Scored on I his like debut. It. Should we go then to the Virgin Mary? Our producer, Doogie, gave us a fantastic suggestion, and I can't see past it. Okay. Um, okay, go on then. So the suggestion no, was Emma kidding. Hayes... That is um, that's brilliant. That yes. is brilliant. Chelsea that manager, brilliant. brilliant coach, awesome pundit during Euro 2020, tells it like it is. And as our producer Doogie said, she blessed us with her presence in 2021. But Hayley McQueen, have you got an alternative? Well, I have a Mary play Mary. What about Mary Earps? Oh, yeah, I did I did think about United. that. Because look, yeah. she's, she's a goalkeeper as well. She's got Jesus in safe hands. Safe hands. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, should we move on to Joseph? Lindsay, any thoughts here? Mm, I think given given the facial hair we've seen from him this season, maybe Graham Potter, <laughs> Brighton manager. I thought Jordan Henderson would make a very upstanding Joseph. I just thought if you were going to cast Jordan Henderson, it would be in that, in that Joseph role. I also thought about Burnley's Connor Roberts as well. Just like Joseph, he loves a bit of woodwork. Uh, apparently he converted his garage into a makeshift workshop, did you know? <laughs> to build and store no. all of his carpentry creations. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. How about you, Hayley? Um, well, I've gone for probably the best manager in the Premier League. And, you, you know, it, it, it takes the best to produce Jesus, doesn't it? What about Joseph Guardiola? Because Pep is called Joseph, isn't he? <laughs> is That's he? His actual name. Yeah, his name is Joseph. <laughs> Pep's just a nickname. Joseph Guardiola Sala. Oh, go. very good. Although he's completely non-religious. He has got the facial hair as well. A little bit, yeah. How about the Gabriel? Anyone, any thoughts on this one? I think actual Gabrielle from Arsenal, why the not? defender. Yeah. 
Yes, the actual Gabrielle. Um, Tuchel is a suggestion that I've got here. Thomas Tuchel floated down from on oh. high at PSG, touched the lives of his players and changed them forever. Love it, love it. <laughs> Let's move on to the wise men or the three kings. Mm. Uh, kind of one and the same thing. Hayley, what do you think about this? Okay, right. Wise men. It's got to be Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola and David Moyes. I think David Moyes might be leading the pack through Bethlehem. So, yeah, I think those the outstanding managers of 2021. I think it has to go to them. Although there is a player called Scott Wiseman who plays <laughs> in the football league. He could always be the first reserve, so couldn't he? Just <laughs> throw him in there. But I bet he loves Christmas. Oh, you're a wise man. Well, should have been plenty um, of jokes with him over the years anyway. And Lindsay? Well, uh, the only thing that I would say with that is Emma Hayes could actually be one of the wise men if we're going to... If we're going to go gender neutral, which I completely yeah. applaud, yeah. Should really. Mm. Um, how about what the wise men bought and how that could inspire us? Golden yeah. Balls, Frank de Burr and Billy Gilmer. Gilmer. <laughs> well, they brought gold, um, frankincense and myrrh, so for the gold it has to be he who won the Ballon d'Or. Don't know yes. what frankincense would be, and the myrrh, maybe mm. just, just, just bringing the expensive things Frankincense along, so. is perfume, so have we got any... Oh. I mean, obviously we know that David Beckham has his own cologne, mm -hmm. but are there any current footballers that oh. do? Probably. I don't know, it's a little bit out of vogue now, isn't it? Um, we could have a star as well. Often often uh, a child in the nativity plays the star of Bethlehem. Do we just give that to Mo Salah, maybe? Mm -hmm. um, the innkeepers, who's got one for this? Lindsay? Oh, this has to be related to European Super League, surely. They said, didn't they, there is no room for anyone else. Uh, um, Florentino Perez and Andrea Agnelli. It's got to be them. Yes. There's often an ox in the nativity, so you could put Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain straight in for that one is there an ox in the nativity often often an ox yes yeah, yeah. um wow. what about the donkey though oh, i've heard of the donkey yeah so i mean i'm sorry ollie i love you dearly but yeah ollie got a soul shower it's a little bit harsh but a terrible harsh. end to life at manchester united he's the donkey um wow. we forget didn't we that jose Mourinho. Maybe I think Jose Mourinho is a donkey, yeah. yeah. I mean, it also kind of fits, doesn't it? Jose Mourinho, or, you know. <laughs> doesn't the donkey kind of lead them? So he leads them to the precious <laughs> land. Can you Whereas... do that again? That was brilliant. Jose Mourinho, or, you know. What? <laughs> She's That's trying to Jose make Mourinho, Mourinho a into a donkey sound. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I hope all our listeners are giving this a go. Oh, oh I think I, I, we, we basically got it sorted there, ladies. Well done. I think the offside rule nativity is complete. All right, on that note, uh, we couldn't finish a year without giving a little bit of any other business stories that have gone under the radar. Uh, we'll go quick on this one, please, ladies. Um, who wants to get us started? The January transfer window's around the corner, but before Christmas, we've already had our first deal that's supposedly a done deal. Ferran Torres is going to Barcelona. Apparently, the agreement's been completed for 55 million Ooh. plus 10 million euros in add-ons to Man City. So that sees them double what they spent on him. Um, he's going to sign a five-year deal, apparently. Um, so 
That is one deal already done this side of Christmas. Amazing. Um, we were talking about a lack of Christmassy themed football things earlier. Have you seen the Belgium national team's downloadable Christmas cards? Oh you my can God, check it's these absolutely out. brilliant. Oh, they're great. Uh, you can check this I out. I particularly like the cards. Eden Hazard um, and Torgan Hazard one. That, yeah, so, so each other's knee. Yes, Torgan Hazard's pretty much sitting on his knee. Uh, you can have a look, by the way, via at Offside Rule Pod or just go and download them yourselves. Um, each of the players is wearing um, quite sort of sometimes strange Christmassy themed jumpers. There's an image of Borussia Dortmund midfielder Axel Witzel and Hertha Berlin defender uh, Dedrick Beata, which... <laughs> It just looks like they just sat there with their like like their hands on their knees, looking up a bit like children waiting to be fed or something. There are some very <laughs> odd poses indeed. Um, they've got their arms around each other. We've got that sort of hazard on the knee job, and there are some Belgium uh, women players there as well. Oh, in fact, the one with Kevin De Bruyne in's strange. He's his Christmas jumper is basically a kind of photo image of a naked man's chest with some light strewn across it. Uh, the women all seem to be in onesies. So I'm not sure if that was part of an ongoing joke, but there you go. Yeah, some slightly odd posing going on there. But fair play to Belgium uh, for being Christmassy. A lovely quote um, from Ngolo Kante. He says, my parents called me Ngolo because it's the name of an ancient king in Mali. So this being the three kings, I guess we could have had him in oh, there, yes. a nativity play. A king who started from below to conquer a kingdom. I used to collect garbage before. Today, I play football and they watch me on TV. Never give up on your dreams. So if you've got any New Year's resolutions and you're reaching high, there you go. Let Ngolo be someone mm. that you, you, you listen to. And Hashtag be more Ngolo. Yeah. yeah. Now, I had heard a little whisper and I, I've... I've heard it for a little while now, and I was going to mention it, but wasn't sure if I was allowed. And lo and behold, it's all over the press today. Yeah, Manchester United, Old Trafford's going to be renovated. They're going to expand the capacity, um, and they're apparently going to do it without moving the team out, which I think is quite interesting. So they're not <laughs> going to need to move somewhere else and do a ground share of any kind. They're going to do this work while still allowing football to happen. So that's quite interesting. There we go. So exciting times ahead for Manchester United. Let's wrap this final podcast of the year up right there, shall we, ladies? We will be back in the new year. Fear not bringing you the latest on our take of football news. Also, uh, the weird and wonderful stories as well that we like to bring you. Impressions, songs, weird <laughs> nativity characters. You know, it's all up for us. Donkey offer. noises. Here. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, have a great Christmas to both of you, Lindsay and Hayley, and to our listeners as well. Have a brilliant Christmas, even if it's changed a bit from what it was meant to be. And same for New Year as well. I hope everyone stays safe. And if you've got COVID, I hope you look after yourself and those around you as well. Absolutely. Everyone stay safe. Think of others, not just yourself. And yeah, enjoy the Christmas that you didn't get to enjoy last year. And you lots, of, lots of love and merry wishes. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic.
Podcast Network.